and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke is here. Tom Jacobs, how are we doing? Yeah, good. I'm glad the, the monstrosity that was the ISPS hander is out of the way. I know you had a couple of chances going through. I was just dead after like six holes. Like it was just over for me. Um, so, you know, you get those weeks sometimes, Sky. Like it was a little bit of a break. It was a funky event, new golf course on top of Galgorm. Like I wasn't, I'm not too worried. Like it, it was a it was a hard event to kind of uh, handicap. And whereas this week, I feel pretty comfortable with the, the recipe to success here. And I think it's going to lead to some easier picks, I think. I was pretty frustrated last week too, not just um, having basically nothing come around Sunday, but I mean, we, we discussed Daniel Brown, um, you know, a bit and ultimately went with Rivetto in what felt was the similar mindset. Hey, you played well overseas when you came over here in the States and performed and kept it rolling a little bit. So disappointing in that fact. I mean, he played outstanding, right? I mean, it was never really a doubt. You know, our friend RB hits him as a winner and he was still sweating with a six stroke lead at all parts of the weekend. But, you know, the one caveat too that I think is really cool with Brown and this year, I think he's the fourth winner this season from Q School. So fourth, if not, maybe even five. Um, I was looking through it because like, uh, obviously Bradbury won, Marcel Seam was through Q School. If you remember um, this year, Simon Forstrom has already won, Daniel Brown. So that's four right there. I think we're at four or five already through Q School. Um, this is and the first time we've back in a while right yeah like it was back um through the challenge tour yeah. ranking or was he q school he was q yeah. school too yeah. yeah so i mean that's just outstanding right from from that side of things it brings me back to the guido kitayama year right that yeah you, you see, there's so much talent in golf and getting status is is such a big part of it so good for brown um bad for us on the, the betting side of things overall but um Definitely excited as we um, tee up here at the Czech Masters because not only is it an event that I've really loved going back to the, you know, Albatross Golf Course has been fun because it has brought a specific type of um, competition every single year. But of course, we're starting to introduce even more so of the Ryder Cup discussion, um, you know, leading off not even just the, the discussion, but the odds boards um, in most places is, is Ludwig Aberg, right? 12 to 1, 11 to 1, him and La Lowry co-lead it. It was great to see some of Fitz action on Sunday to, to build up some momentum. I know you were tweeting this morning. Um, seems good vibes uh, out of the Euro guys um, overall. Now, can they patch up these final couple spots with some good performances um, here? So before diving into the odds boards, we don't even need to really discuss uh, Ryder Cup amplifications. We know what that play talk more about the golf course yeah so i think you know albatross golf resorts i think it's called rather than golf course but like it's it, it's just driver heavy right like it's just it, you absolutely know that it's a driving golf course it's almost 7,500 yards past 72 and look since 2018 the leader in driving distance for the week has finished inside the top eight so it's a pretty steady like stat like gavin green led the field in 2018 he finished third a year later thomas peters lead the field and wins Dean Burmeister and Wilco Nine over the last two to lead the driving distance sets, and they finished sixth and eighth. And then 2019, since strokes gained have been kind of introduced to the DP World Tour, uh, Peters was fourth in strokes gained off the tee. Arnaus finished second behind him and actually led the category. Three of the top five 
um, in strokes gain off the tee in 2021, finished inside the top 12, uh, including Crocker, who was second. And then last year, four of the top five in strokes gain off the tee finished inside the top eight. And the only person that didn't was Perez, who was third in strokes gain off the tee and finished 23rd. So, look, Sky, it's a pretty, it's a pretty straightforward formula based on the kind of data that we've got. Of course, you've got a Maximilian Keeper who won last year that didn't bomb it and didn't gain all those strokes off the tee. But I think that's going to be an anomaly going forward. It was also 54 holes, and he ripped yep. the heart of every single person on Twitter because Definitely. we all got green that week. So yep. give us 18 more, and I'm sure Gavin Green probably would find another way to break our hearts. But um, Interesting, think- on the Gavin Green thing, just before we go, like I looked and there was loads of correlation with the Maybank Championship which is in Malaysia. And then obviously you've got Gavin Green, who is a Malaysian golfer. So that, it does not to be confused with the Malaysian, like Maybank Malaysian Open. And there's two, there's two Maybank and it's Maybank Championship. But like three or four golfers of one or consented here have also played really well at the Maybank. So um, just look into that. Like it, it, I would only use it as like a, a bonus. I wouldn't use it to make some picks because it's been a long time since we played that event. But um yeah, like if you see a golfer that you're, you're kind of stuck between two golfers, just have a quick check to see if they've ever played well in the Maybank Championship. Yeah. Uh, I think just the things that scream at me is when you see a leaderboard that Tapio Polkanen is on, like it's it's a one line of, of course, him. And my favorite year of this track was when Hugo Leon finished top five when Peter was there. That Hugo courses, Tapio courses, you can just grip and rip ball striking uh, distance. And I think the conversation we brought up, um, the South Africa event, the one that Bacham won earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, that's the Johnson. No, Johnson was the November one. Um, I'll pull it up as we talk here. But Bacham's uh, was one. And that was, we came in without a doubt. That was the line of thinking. Yeah, the Johnson work, we're open. Yeah. That there was no doubt that that's what it was and that's what it produced. So I think that's another one you can grab some corollary uh, from there. But Tom, we had a big discussion before on Aberg. Um, I'm very tempted by the 12s. I think it's still it's still short. It's scary. I'm okay passing. I'm not going to lose sleep over missing that. But if you talk about the best driver in the field, I mean, Data Golf already has him as a top six, five, you know, at least ten off the tee player in the entire world right now. There couldn't be a better better place for him to make a make a stand and get a W here. Any interest? No, uh, but I do agree that it is, he like, course fit, there's probably not a better course fit than, than Ludwig Aberg. Like, we know he can get, like, although his irons never show up in terms of strokes gain approach, like he does, he does seem to make birdies right, so it's, it's a hot putter and a hot driver. Um, you know, when I come on to some of the picks later on, that is definitely in my line of thinking. And look, you could argue that the four picks I've made are just people that hope to be Ludwig Aberg, right? Like, and he's the youngster in the field. So I just, I just can't get my head around him winning at 12 to one when he knows that if he wins, he's going to be on the Ryder Cup team. Like, I just think there's so, I just think there's so much pressure and, like, I think it's big enough pressure to win at 12 to one as a favourite. Like, these guys probably don't look at betting odds, but they know when they're, favorites like they know they know when they're expected to do well right like and and coming from the pj tour playing incredibly well but really in truly sky like i know like he's had these really like big spike rounds and stuff but it's probably only one or two weeks where he's really put all four rounds together so far which is to be expected but like i don't think there's any real week where we can hang our hat on and say like 
that was the sign that Abe Bergeron needs to win. Yeah, the the one I agree. I guess winning is is a big touch. The the one that I sticks out to me, uh, I guess of course is to I guess Rocket Mortgage, and he was there through eighteen, right? And that was maybe thirty sixth. Yeah. A lot of us bet him there. Um, he was very impressive at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which is a course that does require that type. And this yep. was in the middle of college career, right? Um, like college, his last season there when he was ripping off wins left and right. Um, but yeah, you could probably say he's been in pressure situations. Gosh, I feel like picking on him in this situation, but like he wasn't very good at the NCAAs, right? At the, at the most important event of the year. Um, and then the other time, and I, I'm, we're only hard in this way that he said the Scottish Open, he knew that there was implications for him if he was to play well or win and get in the Open Championship, right? And what did he do with the Scottish Open? His only missed cut so far of the year, he could not hit, make a single putt. He's unbelievable off the tee. I really, really do want to bet him. But I think at 12s, I'm okay passing, especially because the other guys up here do have similar type of skills. If you include their approach plus an off the tee, it's probably right there with him, right? Um, so, and they so all I- have things to prove too yeah like i just i just think for me like it's just that trendy name you and for good reason like it's like it's not there's it's not like we i because i'm very critical of people you know when you hear like all this like people pile on these players and say they're going to the next best thing and it and never really materializes i don't think that's going to be like i think in two years time we'll be talking about ludwig aberg as potentially you know in the victor hovland kind of conversation at some point right like i think he can do that I just don't think the foundation that we've got over the last what was he played you know recently like six events. I don't think seven events. Like he finished twenty fifth at the Canadian Open, but he was never in the mix. Twenty fourth at the Travelers, he was tenth after the second round, twelfth after round three, and then shot a seventy to fall to twenty fourth. When he was fortieth at the Rocket Mortgage, to your point, he was second after round one, third after round two, went seventy three seventy two. Wyndham Championship, he was fifth going into the weekend, shot a 71 on Saturday to fall out of contention, then shot a 63 to come back into fourth, missed the cut of the Scottish Open, like you said, 64th at the 3M Open, where he opened 72 and shot a 64, and then 73, 72 weekend. And then just a similar story um, at the Wyndham, like he was seventh last rounds one and two, and then shot a 71 in round three. Like it just feels like he like his feet, he's clearly like, without even watching him or anything. You can just look at the round-by-round round data. Every single time he's got third, fourth, or whatever, he's taken a step back. And you'd expect that. Like, if he's still doing it in 20, 30 events time, maybe there's a problem. If he does it in eight events time and he wins, then there is no problem. I just think that at 12 to 1, yes, he's the perfect skill set. And yes, I absolutely think that he can win. And I think that if he does win, he deserves to go to the Ryder Cup. I just don't think it's going to happen. Fair discussion, and um, but I, I guess the pressure and eyes aren't just on him in that manner, right? I still believe Adrian Morak should have something to prove um, on a little bit of form. I mean, Bob shows up at the ISPS and misses the cut last week, right? Like, no one's doing themselves all that many favors right now. It feels on both sides of these rosters at the, at the bottom, so. Um, these guys would all benefit from a, a really, really big week, um, you know, in that manner. And I think the other discussion as we get up here, um, neither of us are betting uh, kind of this low on our cards. Adrian Dumont de Chassart, 
this year off the ferry tour uh, absolute domination you know i was more intrigued at him um quickly bet down from 28s to 20s 20s makes me double take in that manner i think again i would at that price difference i probably would find a way if i'm gung-ho i'm betting one i'm betting aberg at 12 over adrian at 20. um but adrian's game looking into the logs isn't built around power it's built more um it's not even built with it doesn't feel like that strong of a driver overall if you look at driving distance definitely not accuracy is fluttering irons are exceptional putter putting is even better um so maybe like next week could be uh, a yeah. better put up for him right as we go to Omega versus here. Um, so I think at that, it's just betting on the talent. Is there that much of a gap at 28 to 12s? No, I totally agree. Uh, but, you know, we record this later on a Monday and, and factual cards for us. And I think 20s, I'm OK passing. Yeah, I, th- I think I think with, you know, with that, Demond start like as much as he's winning on the corn ferry tour and you can't compare it to what Aberg's had to go up against on the PJ tour. And, you know, Aberg's led the field off the team three of his last seven starts on the PJ tour twice fourth. like the, the course fit is definitely better for Aberg. I just think with Dusha start, like he's, he's in that position where no one expects him to really be on the Ryder Cup team. He doesn't really expect to be on the Ryder Cup team this year. He's already said he wants to be on the next one. Um, and he's got that winning experience, whether it's on the lower level or not. Like he's he's got it in recent weeks, so like he's kind of freewheeling. Whereas Aberg, I don't think he is. Like I think he genuinely thinks like he needs to win to, and he needs to get on. And a little bit McIntyre, the other one you mentioned, like is in this really dangerous position. I think where like he's in on points, so he hasn't got to play well to get in, but he's got to have an impressive week before the before the Ryder Cup starts. Otherwise, he's not going to play. Like he's going to get in and not play because if he if he misses the cut again this week, but somehow still stays in the points, which I think he would, unless someone knocks him out of the points and he doesn't get a pick, like he'd almost, I think, be better off chasing that Ryder Cup pick. I think I think that would really bring him to life. Whereas I think this time he's kind of like not trying to do, trying not to do anything too destructive to, to kind of lose those points. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in McIntyre's position. Like I, I actually hope he's on the team. I think he's, and I think to be honest, like, Luke Donald probably just wants him to make the teams. He doesn't want the headache of picking him because I think I think Donald's pretty happy with the eight that are in, like the 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 six that are on points and and the Rose and the and the McIntyre, right? Like I, I think he's happy with that. Um, I, I I think he just wants one of these, like you said, the the Nikolai Hoygaards, the Abergs, or whatever, to step up. So um, yeah, I, I think I think McIntyre's in a bit of a weird position. Yeah, yeah, I I can agree you um in that manner i mean you just ask a lot of these guys and, and winning is this point of the game probably enough for for solidifying anything um yeah. of the date listed but i think there's more value as as we continue on and kind of where we're we're landing um you're starting off the card uh with the frenchman here in the i think he's in, he's in my where, where's uh where's your selection landing yeah, so he's in. He he was forty to one. I think he's coming down into the kind of thirty-five to one mark now. But it's Antoine Rosner, right? And look, I don't I don't necessarily look at Rosner very often and think he's good value. But here, I just think he is. Like 
he was 13th here last year and he was 20th last time out of the Open Championship where he was fourth after round one and round three. Uh, obviously, a poor final round is probably to be expected with Anton Rosner in the Open Championship, right? Like when you're inside the top five. Uh, you'd like to have seen him hold on to that kind of top ten and really give himself a confidence boost. But, you know, he's a three-time winner already. He's he's coming back to a course where he led the strokes going tee to green and approach stats last year. Gained over 11 strokes tee to green. He just had a really poor iron, uh, a really poor putter week, right? Um, so for someone like Rosner, like, who's won three times, he was 13th, even with a terrible putter, I'd like to assume where he'd have got to if he had that final round and could have just caught fire. He could have easily finished kind of fourth, fifth. I think he's one of those. He's not like he's not the Wilcos and the Abergs and that off the tee, but he's more reliable in terms of he's got a little bit of accuracy to go with it as well. So I really expect Rosner to be one long enough and two uh, dialed in in every aspect of his game to uh, to go well this week. So I really like Antoine Rosner at thirty-five to one. Yeah, one of the better stories the Open Championship. I do wish he would have that Sunday, and it was relatively. At a time that he was on nobody's radar, right? I think yeah. we just pretty much bypassed him uh, when we t- on our preview show. So um, definitely intrigued there. Um, I'm running to our next selection on the board because I think as we speak, that number continues to get uh, lower and lower. You mentioned um, comparing Ludwig Aberg to somebody else in the field when it comes to off the tee dominance. Well, that person's four times the price. Of, of Aberg, right? And in really, really good form, right? This is the best golf we've seen out of Wilco Nienaber in a good amount of time, especially when it comes to approach and ball striking. Second, right? He's finished with second here, uh, or he has a top five here, right? He was eighth last eighth. year. Okay. But, so it was eighth was, but it, when he, when he and again, just to add to that, he was 14th at the halfway mark on debut as well, that finished 51st. So he's He's made two out of two cuts in his eighth last year. Yes. I mean, he was the runaway pick. I mean, I think we were sweating on Sunday, the fact that he was chasing Brown and lowering his number every birdie he had. Um, but he came onto our radar. We were pretty early on the Wilco uh, renaissance when he had that round two at the major championship. Um, I think it would have been the PGA, right? I think yeah, he got it. it was, didn't he? Yeah. He started off really hot, didn't he? Yeah, and then, he had yeah. open qualified. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Wilco, for me, when you line up everything that you're saying about the course, everything about his form, the number, first click for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think I think with Nine Aver as well, like, there's this obvious worry that he doesn't win. Um, but as I just said to you, like, yes, okay, he's more established than um, Aberg, and you can say, right, he's played 20, 30 events and not done it. He's also what 23 years of age and he's won on the sunshine tour and you know he's gone close i don't i feel like his problem is actually not getting in the mix as much as he maybe should as opposed to actually throwing things away right like i think i feel like he should get closer more often and it looks like to your point that he's doing that like he, he looks being more consistent more steady um in recent weeks to, to really do it so i just love the fact of how he's played here um, he's led the field here in strokes going off the tee twice. And, you know, that's all you really need to worry about. Like, the rest of his game will come to your point in hitting his eye as well. So if you know that the, the biggest asset that you want is strokes going off the tee and he's led the field twice here and the two times he started it, um, you're going to be pretty happy. Yep. 
Um, I do see that uh, BetMGM here in the States did just price up the field. Um, Dumont chart is 25 there, Aberg is 14s. So a little bit more to think when we get into that range. Um, we can settle back at the end of the card if if we're going to land, if I'm going to convince myself to bet Ludwig. To, to, to correct my thing slightly, Nine Able was second in off the tee in 2019. But like, so he's been first and second in strokes going off the tee here. And yeah, to your point, that does make it uh, more complicated with Aberg. I, th I just, I, th I think it's just one of those ones where I just can't sweat over. Like, I think if he was 2021, you just have to bet him, right? But like, I think anything under that, like there's just so much risk to it. Like, it's, it depends what how you stake things and how you bet, I guess. Like, if you're someone that when a player is under 21, you bet a significant amount, I wouldn't want to do that on Aberg at the moment. Um, but I do totally believe that he can win. So, uh, Wilco's best price, 55 to 1 um, right now. So, um, cool with that for Wilco. All right, moving down uh, the board more. Next selection for us, Tom. It's, it's one we align on again. Is this right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If, if Wilco was the surefire click, this guy was 1A, 1B. Yeah. I'm going to say still mad. It's been a month. But we were all in at Sean Crocker at the Barracuda. And he honestly, he should have won. Yeah. Like, looking into it, he shot 74 on Saturday. Anything under par. He wins. People don't know that Akshay Batia didn't get the points from, you know, winning that as a non-member. It would have been Sean Crocker's world. He yeah, would have yeah. been there with those guys in that type of scoring. So that was incredibly frustrating. But there's still 90s on Crocker over here um, that I'm incredibly interested in. I mean, sure if I was triple digits already gone this morning, but Crocker seems like a sure thing for me here. Yeah, look, I just, you know, what have we not said about Sean Crocker at this point on this show, Sky? Like, he has just been our guy, and when he shows form, we take it, right? And he he didn't play well here last year, but it was two weeks or two starts after his first win, which I think is all that led to that. It took him a long time to kind of recover, and now you look at it, um, you know, out of nowhere, he was second at the Scandinavian Masters. I said, you know, is it a false dawn? He finishes 14th for the BMW International Open. Then he goes miscut cup withdraw, and you think, okay, maybe that's the end of that little run for Sean Crocker and then finishes 19th in the PGA Tour field at the Scottish Open and 10th, as you said, at the Barracuda. And now he returns to a golf course where he was second on his debut and was never outside the top three or week. Uh, actually had a chance to win it uh, going down the stretch. Didn't. Um, ball striking was great in Scotland, which is kind of the most recent numbers we've got. And when he was second here in 2021, he was fourth in strokes going off the tee, first in approach and first in tee screen. So, a little bit like what I said about kind of nine A, but you've got what you want and you've seen him do it on this golf course. And I do think, you know, I've got away from course form a little bit in recent months, just trying not to put too much into it. But I think a golf course that requires a definitive strategy for every single golfer in the field, why not take the people that have proven they can do it at this very golf course? Yeah, I'm trying. So his greens and regulation wasn't great at the Barracuda. Uh, third in distance in that field. Like, you know, I mean, he, and then, uh, yeah, Scottish that you mentioned was incredibly impressive after that, that withdrawal. So, um, yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited about Crocker for, for this type of week. We've been waiting on it since we started the show. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I guess he got the win, right? He, he did yeah. win the event. Um, but man, he hasn't sustained the level that we want him to. 
this I'm pretty is, sure when he won, that was a week that either me or both of us were on Eddie Pepper as well. And didn't he go like so to like didn't he hold him off? And the one time I didn't want Sean Crocker to win, but <laughs> happened to be the week that he did. Um, look, I, I don't think there's a behind nine Aber and Aberg and that like is there much of a better course fit than Sean Crocker and. There certainly isn't a kind of 80s and above. We keep saying, of course, for Aber. I think by the end of this show, I'm in on the 14th. I think I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> you can do it. Like it's just, I'd be really happy for you and him. Like I, like I want him to. What I want these golfers to do, and a little bit like I was really down on Matt Fitzpatrick last week, and it was so good to see that I was wrong. Like it was so good to see that he he found it at the BMW Championship. He would have. He's he thinks he would have won if it wasn't for. Um, Hovland, obviously it wouldn't because Scheffler would have won, right? But like it, I, I, it's great, and I would love to for everyone to go. Tom, you were wrong about Aberg. Like he's never going to be twelve to one again on DP World Tour. Like that'd be fine. Like because it means that we've got a great guy for the the European Ryder Cup team in you know a few weeks' time. But um, yeah, absolutely. I to to reaffirm the point, I just think Crocker's in a fantastic course fit. He's great odds, double the price of some players that I wouldn't go anywhere near. Um, and I think it's a good time to go. So 80s now uh, here in the state. So I did math. 66s. I would I would still be in on Crocker. Yeah. Um, so we're we're aligned on Wilco. We're aligned on Crocker. Um, now I guess they were triple digits uh, as we spoke uh, initially, but we've seen some some cuts overall. How deep is your guy? He's a little bit down the board, right? He's yeah, mine's triple digits still. Yeah. So I'll go next. Um, yeah, so we got three left, all triple digits still. Okay, so Maddie Schmidt. Um, Maddie Schmidt um, is somebody who we thought the world of in this same type of, of leaps to um, DP World Tour from a great college career to the PGA Tour. And PGA really hasn't been too much of a success for him at all. I think that's you know, safely can say that. Um, but every single week, week in and week out, he's up there in distance. He, especially as of late, a 22nd at the Wyndham, a 20th at the 3M, both courses that were more accuracy-driven than distance-driven. Him playing well there really popped to me. And then as we look at, you know, when he has come over here, right, fourth at that South African Open Championship, a 21st at the KLM, 18th at the BMW International, um, you know, he's just, I think, in a class above the middle of this odds board. Uh, I mean, he's, he's a holding PGA Tour card member, right? Like, um, not that it was a good season, but I just think overall he's he's somebody that, one, on top of the distance angle that we look at, um, he's just more caliber than a lot of the other guys around here and still looking to, you know, break through in that way. But at 100 to 1, Trending form, course fit. Uh, I love it for Matty Schmidt. So, I think this. I think this reaffirms my point earlier on Aberg. Like, who would have thought that that Schmidt would have got to 2023 without winning on the DP World Tour, right? Like, and he was this, this, the the amateur, uh, the love amateur at the Open Championship. He then finishes what, like 19th, 9th, 2nd, 9th, 11th in his first four or five starts on, on the DP World Tour, gets the PJ Tour card, finishes third when he comes back over for the South African event, ninth again, and then finishes 8th and ninth in PJ and Cornbury Fields. And to your point, like he struggled a little bit this year, but like he fits in the same way that Aberg fits. 
like they're the same mold and and if there's really like i don't know how much of a discrepancy there is between the two obviously aberg is slightly higher stock in terms of he's been up there in those amateur rankings whereas we kind of had to learn about schmid right but like i still think there's not that much of a gap in terms of talent between these guys um and sometimes it just comes to the fore like and um so yeah a positive for schmid and maybe oh, i think a slight negative for aberg yeah, I, I mean, I can understand the the line. I mean, yeah, he was that type. I don't think his college career was to the manner. It's just huh. it, the thing that's just selling me is, and maybe it's the more and more guys that we'll see. I mean, but the the off the tee excellence here, like if if Aldridge Potgeier was playing in this event, for example, right, the the young yeah. South African who's made some starts, who has led. Every single field he's basically been in, in distance, right? Aced a par four in a Monday qualifier. Like, I would be running to bet that. These kids are unbelievable when it comes to some of this off-the-tee prowess. Um, so to see him among those ranks, it's just like, so... I, I don't know that there's a course that correlates as well to drive, like driving distance as a stat. Like, I know we always talk about people being long off the tee and strokes going off the tee, which normally requires a lot of accuracy. I don't think we've seen a course that correlates driving distance to success as much as this does. Like 2018, Gavin Green leads driving distance, finishes third. Gary A, second, finishes ninth. Kroisovic, third, finishes seventh. Peters wins after leading um, the field. Burmester, sixth after leading the field. And then last year, Nineaver leads the field in driving distance, finishes eighth. Gavin Green, second, and finishes second. Jake McCloy, third in driving distance, sixth um, overall. Louis Diego, fourth in driving distance, third overall. Like... It's not always going to work. You're going to get the the Maximilian keepers and things like that, and you probably should keep someone that's really deadly accurate on your card. But, like, I think it's just so clear, and that's why you ta- attack these players. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we'll flip-flop to you then for the next one because he came up on your list of guys there. Yeah, yeah, Louis Diego. I thought you'd be on him, Sky. Like, you've, you've kind of spoken about him a lot this, this year. Uh, third here last year, third in driving distance, fourth in strokes going off the tee, and... What I really loved, he was second in strokes game putting that week as well. So you could say like his irons have let him down, right? And that's fine. But he was also third with, you know, the, the event gets caught at 54 holes. You don't know what would have happened that final round. And it feels like he's elevated himself a little bit over the last couple of seasons. Um, he's a five-time winner on the Sunshine Tour. He hasn't won at this level yet. But it just it just feels like he has actually got it now. It looks like he can win. He's 36 years old. He's not a young buck like our list has been populated with. But... Top 10 in the field in driving distance this year uh, on the DP World Tour. I don't know that there's a better golf course left uh, for Louis Diego this year. And outside of Africa, he's never finished higher. He's never finished higher than this third here. And I think that to that point, and and what, when you look at the kind of current form, and yeah, you could argue that he's tailing off a little bit um, with two missed cuts. I'm not too worried about last week. It was a really strange event after a tough week off. The other one was a Barracuda Championship. We have no idea whether that would fit or not. He was fifth at the halfway stage at the Barbasol Championship, finished 16th. He was 62nd at Himalayan, fine, disappointing. Missed cut the British Masters, not too worried about it. It's a really difficult event. And then the Scandinavian mix, he was third after round one, 13th after round three, with a 76 in round two, and then finished 12th. So the upside of Louis Diego is just unbelievable driving, hot putting. Uh, and perfect recipe success. I think this is why I'm just littering this kind of area of the board because I just think that the driving can be found 
in other places. Yeah, I think you're making a compelling point. I keep flip-flopping in my head here, Tom. Well, you got to wrap it up because for us, I'm just never going to make a decision. <laughs> uh, uh, two more that I am uh, confirmed on here. Um, Dan Bradbury. Yeah. I, I love Dan Bradbury. I, I think as rewarding as the research is, for him to come through in that first start after our big preview show, like yeah. that's one of my favorite things that we've done in the podcast, right? Is finding a diamond or rough like that and to have a career year, which includes a win in your first ever start like that. That's the kind of stuff that I do this, for, you know? Yeah. And um, when you look at him overall, I mean, I would say it's, it's been a, a stellar of a year, right? Maybe not to what we thought he could kick on to, especially because he went from winning that to not missing a cut for another six starts. But then he fall, he fell off uh, the map a little bit when it came to, um, I guess, consistency in a manner. But, you know, he popped back on at the Sudal Open. If you do remember, Rinkfin is is a type of course where it was just absolute bombs away is the way we've attacked it previously. Um, so that's where he had a top 10. And then his finishes probably aren't looking to what it was, 75th of the Scottish, miscut at the Open Championship. But in that manner, his his irons have never been, um, I guess he had at the Sudal, they were really good. Joburg, we don't know, but his irons were exceptional at the Open Championship. And at the Scottish Open, although the 75th place finish, he did find himself just kind of puttering around um, the middle of the odds board or leaderboard throughout. I think it was 30th at the halfway point. Um, he just found himself, to me, I was on him that week because we had shown he had, he had a really strong finishing 54 at the British Masters that kept him on my radar. And I was steadily impressed by his Scottish and then Open Championship, even though it shows nothing uh, when it comes to leaderboard. So to me, when you get out to this range, somebody that we have seen win, somebody that really does excel when the driver is taken out, um, like hit a bunch. I love Bradbury this week overall. You can find him triple digits as well. Um, so to me, it just kind of fits those boxes in which we're looking into. Yeah, look, it, it, it is that. Like if you look at his off the tee, like when he makes the cut, he's he's been great. Like he's right up there with everybody. 15th, 5th, 29th, 7th and 4th in straight game off the tee. I've got him as the 6th best strokes going off the tee player uh, over the last 15 weeks. Aberg is first. Henny Duplessis, interestingly, was second, who I thought was worth a second look. Yeah, uh, and then Nicholas Norgard, Muller, Nine Aber, exactly. Like the, the people that you kind of expect to be out there, right? So, um, yeah, the fact that he fits in those kind of mold of players is, is a really promising sign. Yeah, 140s is the longest um, for, for Radbury right now, too. Yeah. Um, definitely was excited there. Um, one more for me. Anything else for you? I, I would just look at Nick Backham. Like, I, I just, yeah. it's been a long it's been time. Bad, I look at it yeah. like it's bad. Yeah, he's been bad, but like you've mentioned the Sadao Open, and that was one of two made cuts he's made over his last seven events. And he was 59th that week, but he was actually 18th after round one, 19th after round two. And when he was 35th at Himmerland, he was third after round one. So maybe. Just back him for a fast start because he can just spray it everywhere. Um, and maybe he doesn't build anything else other than that. Like maybe just put him in that first round leader market. Maybe put him in your DraftKings lineups because he can make a bunch of birdies against bo uh, bogeys. But I, I think he's the type, you just look for these type of players to make an impact. Um, yeah, I, I think Backham's worth a look. But 
otherwise not really like I do respect the top of the market as much as I haven't gone there. Like, I think there's four or five players that really are um, people you need to consider. Rivetto is, is showing decent size off the tee. Del Rey, we obviously know, he's got off the tee prowess. Yeah, uh, who's the other guy I'm going to bring up? Because he's right yeah. there with distance, right? If you look at pure distance, like Del Rey, pound for pound, maybe the longest guy in the world, too. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I think, I think again, I think we've, we've mentioned it before. Like there are these weeks where you just go for this kind of style fit, right? And that's where you just kind of focus on this week. And I think if you can get the right one, you'll like John Wunko is a great driver of the golf ball and not much else. Like sometimes these players fit these types of weeks. Did I'm trying to think. So you caught my eye there with the Sudal and the Himmerlin jumps for Bakum, which were out of nowhere. Yeah. How- Bad was his Scottish in both rounds. He 73-75. Realistically. Yeah, like, never good. But like even the British Masters, it was eighth after round one and just shot a 77 on a really tough course, which suggests to me that he like sprayed it around in that first round, made birdies, and then just got caught out on the second day. Like whereas I don't think he'll get caught out this time. Tom, Tom, Tom. Odds for back. What are they overseas right now? Nick Buckham, biggest odds are. It's 200 here. Yeah, 200 is the biggest, 175 generally available. Obviously, we get each ways over here, so slightly different, but yeah, 200. One book that does each ways over here, top six, too. Yeah, so yeah, 175, 200 is one. I think. Just like than Del Rey or the other guys? Only because he's won. Like, you know he's, he can win. He's won everywhere too, right? Yeah. So you've got that. Angel Hidalgo hit the ball really well, nice, like really well last week. Off the especially. Yeah. So another one. Just but it's just with like Hidalgo's not so much the you can hang your hat on it happening every week. It's kind of a spike thing. Um Whereas these other guys were mentioning off the tee are great every week. We were betting uh, Mikhail Lindbergh, I feel like, was kind of a sneaky sleeper. Big, leading big driver again, yeah. Yeah, big, big driver, um, kind of fell off. Uh, Freddie Scott also is somebody. Uh, that might be the one to me. Scott has been really strong when it comes to distance, and we loved him um, overall. I think that might be where. So I'll, I'll have two selections left. Um, cool. One that I had you on an absolute T for. I thought for sure you were going to be on Alexander Levy. Just because you did such a good sell job to me yep. at the Buddha. Uh, yep. And he came out guns a-blazing. I was so mad I didn't jump on him at the Cuda. Um, he came out strong. So what, we've now got six cuts in a row for yep. Alexander Levy. When's the last time you think he's made six cuts in a row? I mean, he didn't even play six events in 2022, so it wasn't then. Um, he did do it in 2021, but, like, he made quite a few cuts in a row, actually. But, like, yeah, it's 2021 is the answer. Yeah, but even before then, it was, like, a long stretch. I don't know. He's just upticking everything, I feel like, when it comes to what you're looking for. Um, yeah. And, like, we've seen his aggressive driving nature. I mean, he can be long off the tee. He drove it pretty well at the Barracuda overall. Um, yeah, yeah. And at, at the Barbasaw, I thought he was pretty ball striking driven um, there. So he's the first one for me. You can find him 200s over here. Um, 
overall. So he's won, yeah, 200s, 175 with each ways. Um, I thought you might go back to your favorite Ross Fisher well, but that's not there. But we'll close out with Freddie Scott. I, I think that like type of golfer where I feel like we've been betting for a while pops. He comes and plays those two big events. Do you have much expectation? Honestly, you know, no. And, and I bet Scott the Barbasol believe yeah. he was four under through 16 on Thursday, like creeping around it. And then he just could not keep it out of the water. No, uh, and even for that day. And that happens at these golf courses, right? Like it, like it, this is what we're talking about, like risk reward. Like sometimes there is just a massive risk in playing these players at like British Masters and Barbasols and stuff, where it's not just water, it's trees and things like that. Tenth at the Himalayan, twelfth last time out, Scott. Um, yes, he's missed two cuts when he's gone over to America. Not so worried. Fourteenth at the Porsche European Open, tough driving golf course. So I don't hate the Scott shout at all. Do I have high expectations? No, but I don't have high expectations of Alexander Levy, but I still like both of them. Um, they're, they're 200 to one shots who fit the mould. And that is ultimately what matters. Like, as I said to you, Sky, at the start of this, like, I've never seen an event correlate so much with just driving distance. Like, I get big hitters and drive like off the tee and tee to green, but just actual pure distance. I think this is an anomaly in terms of just, you can just be big hitters and just do well for that only reason. Um, so I, I think I was really surprised, Scott. You talk about teeing me up for Alexander Levy. How have you not gone with Pedro Figueiredo after he's off the TN6 last week? Yeah, but he's also like that, that doesn't come from anywhere this time. I, I have <laughs> I've started to get back into the game of golf. Yeah, I, I hit it longer than Pedro and <laughs> not clear in 200, man. I hit driver for the first time yesterday. In five years, I've been yeah. To, to be fair, he like he is like minus forty seven point two on on distance um, at the point. in my face too, Tom, and I still think I would have gotten paid. For <laughs> yeah, okay. I love the guy. There's, I there's love a reason he's a thousand to one because he doesn't drive it that straight normally, and he's not actually long either. Um, he was all over that leaderboard, man. He had a uh-huh. chance to top ten that and had a bad Sunday. Um, yeah. but. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, Kranz, if we see if we see some Pedro life, maybe that's uh, that can be it. Because Kranz, he can at least get a, add some elevation, um, maybe add a couple more yards for him. Yeah, um, good points. Uh, I think the other one, really, for me, and this is just a course fit. He's not the driving distance guy, but Lee Slattery is just so good at yeah. this course, um, and he's been really solid. Nothing spectacular, and it's been more at a challenge tour level, but. At this golf course, 30th, 34th, miscut, 2nd, 4th, 39th, 45th, 13th. 13th in 2022 against these long drivers is impressive for Lee Slattery. So for someone who's similar to what you're saying about Alexander Levy, like he's actually made six cuts in a row and it started with a second um, on the challenge tour, I, I think he could be in the mix as well. But he's yep. but he's not that course fit that we've targeted this week. Yeah, yeah, very fair. Um, okay, if we keep going, Tom, we're going to... Yeah, I, I scoured but, the earth for like these amateur guys to find anything with distance. I didn't find it. No, no, I leave that down to you as well because you will find it. Um, and I can just tail, but yeah, no, I think we've covered the board. I think, I think, look, we've given ultimately Sky. I think that the most important thing about these shows and the thing that I always say is, and it's maybe is it a little bit of a cop out because you can't win every week? Yes, but the, the ultimate thing for me is if we can identify what you need to find a winner 
you can go and make your own mind up, make your own judgment. You don't believe that that Freddie Scott is a guy that don't then just go and find someone that has the same sort of stats as Freddie Scott and pick that guy, right? Like we've given you that his driving distance is off the tee. If you can find that and find that in a player, you can find any kind of course form, any kind of current form, put it in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, before we review, make sure we give a shout out to our audio listeners. Um, you can find us, Mayo Media Network, Daily Fantasy Sports, Picks and Bets, The Mix, available on all different podcast um, formats. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, YouTube, again, Mayo Media Network there. Uh, we love getting the feedback, the comments. It was great to be back last week. Um, and again, this is the the ramp up time for, for Ryder Cup and for our team kind of getting into some form here. Um, and it comes with hopefully a big week um, from a lot of them behind the guys on our betting card because I'm officially not going to bet Ludwig Aper. I'm, I'm okay leaving him off, Tom. Because Freddie Scott stole my heart there, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, uh, I think I'd rather just enjoy Aber winning rather than worrying about like. Same with like Dumont Shark because the 25s is intriguing, right? And then Axis and RB and a few guys are Brad or, you know, are, are betting Duchess Hart. I, I get it. 100% get it. Uh, but instead, we can just load up on those triple digit guys. It feels so much better. Yeah, we, we can just go for the losers. It just makes more sense. Hey, and each way pays more than that, Tom. You know? Exactly. Yeah. That's it. So, cool. All right, you go first. Yeah, so Antoine Rosner for me at 35 to 1. I believe Wilco Nineva's best price is 50 to 1 now. Sean Crocker, you said there's an 80 to 1, and there's a 110 to 1 on Louis Diego. And then go back and listen to the kind of plethora of people I said that are worth looking at. Yep. So there looks to be a 55, yep, on Wilco um, right now. So that's an awesome, and that's within each way here in the States. Nice. Uh, Brocker, you can find him at 80 to 1. Um, so it's Wilco Nina number 55, Sean Crocker, 80, Maddie Schmid. Um, he's available at 100 to one. Um, and then Daniel Bradbury, 140 to one, Alexander Levy at 200 to one. And then Freddie Scott is rounding out. We have a 250, um, on Scott here. Uh, so, and that's with the each way too. So, um, some exciting stuff on the board, just absolutely driver heavy this week for us. Um, and again, if you want, um, you know, the big stretch of golf that is coming DP World Tour. This is the start of it because there's a lot of fun to be had between now and the Ryder Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Look, this it's important to note we don't want to talk too much about Ryder Cup right until Ryder Cup comes around. But this week and next week are the final two weeks before Luke Donald makes his picks. So Luke Donald makes his picks before the Irish Open and Wentworth. Um, so, yes, people can use those events to uh, impress before the Ryder Cup, but they will not get a pick based on that. So these next two weeks are key for these guys in the bubble. Yep, absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Well, we appreciate all you guys. Um, and let's hit a big one this week as we go in. And Tom and I are still trying to gain our Ryder Cup status too. So a big win here for us would go a long way in making it on the team. Absolutely. That's what we want. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Catch you next week.